Are you dealing with the trials of a difficult marriage or going through a separation or divorce? Welcome to the club, friend. Life is messy and it can be hard. I'm Jen Zingmark, a Christian life coach, and I have good news for you. There is a path to find hope, healing, and happiness, no matter what your circumstances are, and I can help you find joy in your journey. So let's go. Hey, y'all, and welcome back for more Gen Juice. Today, I am continuing our discussions on the topic of dating after divorce. So in episode 73, I addressed evaluating and learning from your marriage relationship, getting into the right mindset to date again, how to know when it is the right time to start dating again, and being certain you can have the future you want. And after that, in episode 74, I discussed how to start dating after divorce. I shared tips for successful dating after divorce and do's and don'ts, as well as unique getting to know you questions. So if you haven't checked out those podcasts yet, go and do that. This week, I am going to share an interview with Christina Cash about her experience dating after divorce. Christina is the mother of three children and a successful female entrepreneur. After the birth of her son, she started her own company where she launched the brand Bumco to sell a baby product she invented for keeping fingers clean from diaper cream. In 2022, she sold the Bumco brand and is now working on launching new brands, including the Sticky Flippy which is a fidget toy designed to teach children strategies to be more emotionally resilient. She enjoys spending time with her children, exercising, and playing pickleball. She has a firm testimony in the gospel of Jesus Christ and cherishes her membership in the church. She is dating an incredibly good man and is optimistic about her future. It is a pleasure to welcome Christina to the podcast today. It's such an honor to have you and to interview you about dating. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for joining me. Please share with my audience a little bit about yourself and your life and education and background, career, family, all the things. Okay. So um, I live in South Carolina. I've got three children, background. So kind of grew up here. I went to undergrad and grad school at the University of South Carolina, and then worked in Houston, Texas for several years in human resources. Um, While I was on maternity leave, I had an idea for a product that I brought to market and was able to leave that, that job and start my own company with that product. Um, Moved back to South Carolina with my little ones and have been living here and raising them since then. That's awesome. Good for you. Mompreneur. I love it. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Okay. So share a little bit about your story, whatever you're comfortable in sharing about your marriage and how you were ended up divorced. Yeah. So I got married when I was 19 years old and I was married for 13 years um, before the marriage ended. And I would say My daughter actually asked me last night about 
why, you know, why I've, I, I should say I've been single for three years now. So there's been some time to kind of settle in to, to new normals and all that. And she had asked why. And as I sat there and pondered on it, the answer that came to my mind was that the adversary is attacking families and relationships. And I have seen that in my family and in others that when there's love at home, there's beauty all around. But whenever there's strife or contention or, you know, these kinds of things happen in families, it can cause so much pain. And so my answer to her was that the adversary is at work. He, he wants to destroy and to hurt. And so he, it's his fault <laughs> mm-hmm. that she deserved a mother and a father. She was entitled to a mother and a father who loved her and loved one another and were faithful. And I'm so sorry that that's not, that she doesn't have a mother and a father living in the home with her. That is what she deserved. That the enemy is looking to, to, to break up families and all of that, but that he has not won and he will not win the battle that she is loved by her father. She is loved by her mother and that our family has grown and she's gained new family members and new experiences. And that at the end of the day, he made some mistakes and I made some too. Um, But in this life, we have different trials and challenges. Different people have different things to help them learn and grow. And this is hers. This is ours. I love that answer. Like you, I feel like God is in all parts of our life and that all of the experiences we have are for our learning and growth if we are can learn and grow from them. And that's such a beautiful answer for your daughter, for me, for all of us that, you know, we're all lacking things we wish we had in our lives in different areas and ways that we wish our life were better. And if, you know, we can look to God to help heal those things and be grateful for all the things we do have, but look to him and the beautiful plan of happiness for the hope of having all that we want one day. For sure. Yeah. And the other evening she had burned her finger a little bit and I came in and um, I was like, ah, oh, I know how that feels. That hurts so bad. Even though it's tiny, let me do, I can help you in this and that. And I was able to get her comfortable and help her fall asleep. And we talked last night about how God will use experiences in our life to help us become more loving people, to help us be able to comfort others who go through similar things. And our savior, Jesus Christ has experienced all of it. And so she can always turn to him And just like her finger healed, her heart and the pains and the things that are troubling her over our family situation, her Savior, Jesus Christ, can heal. Oh, so true. What a beautiful witness of that. So let's talk about your dating experience. Share a little bit about your personal experiences dating after divorce, some of the challenges you faced and are facing now and how you've overcome them. Sure. So I've learned a lot. As I mentioned before, I've been, it's been three years. And I would say, right out of the gate, I was very eager (laughs) to, to mingle. And I thought, oh, I'm I'm absolutely ready (laughs) for a relationship. I figured I, you know, months in just a few months in, I was ready for a relationship. 
I did not date during my separation period. So there was a time there that was really unique where I had accepted the fact that my marriage was over and my heart wasn't pursuing, you know, my former spouse. And yet I also understood that I was not in a position to be pursuing anyone else. I was legally married. And so there was this period of time that was really a beautiful period of time where I was really more than ever understood like that I was in a relationship with my heavenly father and just pursuing that, strengthening that relationship. And that was a very good time for me in many ways. A lot of the things that have led up to where I'm at now, a lot of the counsel and experiences have come as I've strengthened my relationship with him. And I've tried to, as President Nelson said, hear him. So um, there was one evening that I, I was working out and I was exercising, exercising. I just had this impression uh, that I, I had actually sent my former spouse a text message. We had a little text message exchange about logistics with the kids. And, and then I sent something that if I was being honest, this was just a few months into it. Like it was kind of a little bit vulnerable and maybe almost a flirt, a flirtatious message. And after I sent that message, I just felt overcome with sadness. Just this wave of grief just hit me. And I felt that God spoke to my heart, Christina, if you were to have broken your leg, you would need to rest it, (laughs) not Mm -hmm. use it, give it time to heal. And that that is the position that you're in right now, that you've got to not use your heart, rest it, give it time to heal. And once it's gained strength, then be very cautious about re-injury. And so that was really helpful, just the importance of healing. And so I would say that the number one advice that I would give to anyone who goes through something similar is the best way to prepare for dating is to make sure that you've healed your heart (laughs) so that you don't re-injure it while it's still wounded. And um, for me, there's a lot of practical things that were helpful there and, you know, a lot of spiritual things. That's wonderful. Could you share some of those? Yeah. So the youth program was actually like on my mind a lot. It had just come out and I had felt impressed to every day make a plan to do something that was physical and social and spiritual and intellectual. And so I would say um, just making sure that I was growing as a person, doing things to grow in each of those balanced areas was helpful to my healing. I would say in the evenings, I would journal. And I felt really impressed a lot of times, Christina, this is the most important thing you can do today. Like not a little deal, big deal. And I would, I felt impressed to journal everything good that I did and everything good that others or that the Lord did in my life. And some days I would feel like, oh, I was, I'm such a lousy mom. I had a lousy day. Maybe I was feeling weighed down with grief and the kids watched TV for several hours and I you know, didn't do much at all. But at at the end of the day, I would be like, Oh, you know, like, I clipped my three year old's toenails, and I unloaded the dishwasher. And you know what, I did go for a walk. And a friend of mine stopped by the house with a card or something. And, and then I would just feel so good at the end of the day. And I think that ultimately, it's letting God in. Jesus 
heals. And so letting Jesus into my life and then taking that inventory at the end of the day was, was really helpful for that. Oh, I love that idea. And I agree. If you can get some exercise, do something spiritual, have some social interaction, and then something mentally stimulating, something that, you know, is you're learning. It seems like those are the best days for me. So I agree. The Lord knew what he was doing with this new program. It's good for all of us. It's so inspired. Um, and then the other component to healing is I, it, that's critical is forgiving. Um, and I would say in my case and probably in every case, it's like, it's one thing to say, like, you need to forgive, but it's a whole other thing to like, how, <laughs> how, how do we forgive? Um, I had a really good counselor years ago who had actually, he's a Christian counselor, um, and he had actually put together like a process for how to forgive. So the first step in the process was to take an inventory of the damage, take an inventory of what was lost, your hurts, your pains. And then after you've really taken an inventory and instead of suppressing it all, just get it all out, write it down, then plan and execute something that is good and beautiful in the name of that loss. So you see this with like painters or Eric Clapton with tears in heaven where something traumatic happens and then they create something beautiful. And what my counselor talked about is that like attaching that beautiful um, creation to that pain can neutralize it. Mm -hmm. And so in my experience, that's what I found. So I like to write and I like words. And um, in my experience, I, I went through and I wrote something to help, help me heal. So do you mind if I share more about that? I would love it. Yes. That's wonderful. So in my experience, there's obviously, as I had shared with my daughter, like I made mistakes and he made mistakes and I had written something years ago to help me like forgive my, my former spouse. But I realized at one point that I had not forgiven myself for how I had showed up in ways that contributed to the breakdown of that relationship. And so I wrote this and it's something that I would go back and read and it would, it really did kind of neutralize and help me to be able to forgive and move forward. So I said, he, he made some mistakes and you made some too. You forgave him, but have not forgiven you. So just let it go. You are usually doing the best that you know. And when you realize that your best is still rough, your savior has grace that is more than enough. His grace will get you where you need to be, encircled in his love and safety. Christina, you are here to learn and you'll fail quite a lot, but move forward. Keep trying. Don't ever stop. Don't focus on why others won't forgive you. Jesus was perfect, yet he was forsaken too. Just know that your Savior understands and nothing will stop him from unfolding his plans. He made some mistakes. You made some too. You've forgiven him. Now forgive you. Wow. That is beautiful. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. It's so important. You mentioned as part of the healing process, forgiving. And I'm really glad that you mentioned forgiving yourself too, because Mm -hmm. the best thing we can do is take ownership in our part in that marriage that ended. And we all have part 
And the more ownership we can take, the more progress we can make in our own lives. And I love that you took your healing process and that pain that you were experiencing and and turned it into something beautiful. I love that. So thank you for sharing it with us. So for people who might have, you know, some insecurities and be a little bit maybe self-conscious about starting to date again after divorce, do you have any suggestions or how did you deal with that process? How would you recommend people regain their confidence? when they think about getting back out into the dating scene again. I know for me, that was Mm -hmm. pretty intimidating. Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't get easier as time goes on, Mm because as time goes on, we age. (laughs) True. So so where does our, where does true confidence come from? You know, like the world would say our confidence comes from like our youth, our, our beauty, our appearance, all of these things that we know will fade. But true confidence comes from knowing who we are, that we are loved sons and daughters of God, and that he does have a plan for our life. And so the confidence is in him, in him, that he has plans for our life, plans not to harm us, but to prosper us for our good, and that he will put the right people in our life that need to come in for various purposes. And then there is that element of confidence to see your your own worth and your value and your own beauty. And I, I had an experience a, a while back where I was, you know, standing in the mirror and trying something on and feeling a little like, well, I wonder if this or that would look better or this. And I had this impression, like as I was kind of critiquing myself in the mirror of like, Christina, I understand what's behind all of this. And I was thinking, yeah, maybe it's my vanity. Yeah, maybe it's my worldliness or my pride. And I felt Heavenly Father, the Spirit speak to me. No, it is your desire to please a husband one day. And I knew that this was from the Lord because I was like, wow, yeah, I guess it is. I didn't realize I wasn't even aware. I had this impression, Christina, the, the man that you should focus on pleasing is me, your heavenly father. I am your man. (laughs) I am your man. So when you stand in the mirror and you get ready for the day, instead of thinking about what's going to, what's, what's going to be attractive or appealing to someone else, what would be attractive and appealing to my heavenly father? What, what would be the clothes that I would put on? What would be the thoughts that I would express back to myself? You're beautiful. Walk tall. You're a daughter of God. Dress in a way that's neat and showing respect, but that will not put undue attention or focus on my body versus who I am as a a daughter of God. Yes, Um, I love that. And you know, it just makes me think that there's nothing more attractive than confidence. And when we're confident in who we are, and especially when we align our lives with God's will for our life and honoring those covenants we've made with him, then we can feel the most confident that we can. Yeah, thank you. And that's something that I've learned so much from you through coaching over the years is that beauty of confidence, which one of the thoughts that made me think is, I think earlier in my dating journey, it was more of, will this person like me? Will this person be attracted to me? And I feel like through your coaching and also through counsel from my Heavenly Father, it has really shifted to, no, 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 Christina, 
that's not the question that matters. The question that matters is what do you, are you attracted to them? How much do you enjoy their company? Do you like them? And that was just a whole shift of mm. I respect and love myself. And so I'm looking for a relationship that I can trust that that man is going to respect and love me in a manner that is good and, and good for my heart and would be pleasing to my heavenly father. So important. I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, since you brought up coaching, that was a question I wanted to ask you about is how coaching or counseling or both have helped you heal from your divorce and in your dating now, what sort of things helped you the most um, in gaining clarity and processing emotions and healing? I love the example that you shared about forgiveness. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, coaching and counseling have been critical. I, I, and I, gave, I give the example of you know going back to the analogy of a broken leg. Yeah, that leg is probably going to heal eventually, but it may not heal in an ideal way <laughs> without some physical therapy. And I, I consider coaching, counseling, um, all of those resources as like physical therapy, but emotion, like emotional therapy to help make sure that I am developing habits and thought patterns that are going to help that leg grow back straight <laughs> that are going right. to help my emotions be um, healthy and to be able to think, think through things in a healthy way. And, you know, in the beginning, I would say like those crashes of grief that come over you where you're going along and you think you're fine, but then a text comes or someone <laughs> sends you a photo of your, if something just happens, it just whoosh. And it just brings it all back in the early days, especially to be able to call a coach before making decisions and taking action was really critical because hurt people hurt people. And the times that I have done things and said things and acted in a way that was hurtful to others, it was because I was still hurting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But coaching and counseling can help you see the situation with clarity and help you to, okay, get into a stable place where you're not hurting any longer and then go respond. And then go take action. Yes, that is so true. And it's easy to see in other people's behavior sometimes when they're acting out and hurting, you can tell there's some hurt under there. But how wise to to take that counsel for yourself and get the help that you have needed along the way and to act from a place of love for yourself and hopefully for others. For that's, sure. That's wonderful. And I would also just say on that point too, that like the importance of taking what you receive through coaching, counseling, friends, family, and take it and hold it up to, you know, Jesus Christ, our heavenly father, like take everything and just test it. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. This is what I received. And I can tell you, I had one experience where my counselor had pointed me to a scripture and to comfort me. And I, and I, I had a little doubt of like, I don't know if this is how God feels about me. Does he really love me this much? Is this really how he feels about me? And then later that afternoon in the temple, I was sitting in the restroom and I opened my scriptures and it just happened to be that exact verse. And in that case, I felt 
that God was saying, yes, the counsel that you received from that individual is exactly aligned with the message that I want you to hear. You are loved this much. This is the reality of the situation. Wow. That's awesome. Don't you love it when we get those little confirmations from the Lord? Oh, so grateful for those all along the way. Let me ask you, what has your experience been like being single in the church? It's different than being single, <laughs> not a Latter-day Saints. We, we have different standards than the world. And so tell us what that's been like for you and maybe some practical tips for other singles in order to really maximize this experience this time. Yeah. So I'm so thankful to be a member of a church that values families. Um, and family relationships. And so for me, when I was married, I oftentimes didn't have my companion there at church with me. So it didn't really feel like a huge change for me, especially um, my divorce happened during COVID. So it was actually, we weren't even attending church at the time. And so for me being, I guess, unmarried now versus before in my church box (laughs) of my life, it really feels pretty similar. I will say that I did attend a few single adult events and my first experiences were kind of uncomfortable and um, disappointment that like, gosh, this is really, is this my, is this the phase of life that I'm in? Like I did not plan or hope or expect Mm -hmm. to be in this, you know, having this experience right now, but then something shifted and I decided like, okay, ask not (laughs) what the (laughs) church is single adult program can do for me, but what I can do for the program. And as I've approached opportunities with that, like more of a servant heart and learning about those that I come in contact with it, Elder Gong said at a single adult activity I went to that if you will approach these events and activities thinking with with the goal of what can I learn that is remarkable about the people that I meet? Because there's something about everyone that's remarkable. And he promised us we'll have good experiences. And I've learned that there's, whether they're 92 or or 31, there's something remarkable about everyone, something to learn and to love. And I've also learned that we are all ageless. Like Mm -hmm. that that 85-year-old woman at a single adult activity and I, we are we have so much more in common than we have different. And there's so much to learn from those who have walked this journey a little bit longer than us. Oh, that's so wise. I agree. I think that's something I've sort of gleaned over the years is that we are much more alike than we are different. And I think when you're young, when you're in high school, when you're a teenager, it can feel like you're so different from everyone else. But as I've gotten older and I've seen my children go through those phases and I have learned with meeting and being in situations you don't expect to be in at different points in your life and connecting with people from all different walks of life that we're all much more alike than we are different. I think that's a, you know, a comforting realization. I know you've talked a lot about your relationship with Heavenly Father through this process. Um, How has it changed from when you were married until now, if, if it has at all during this time? So I would say that prior to me going through my divorce, I was very committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's changed and what's unique now is I have had more personal experiences with the spirit with and with Jesus Christ strengthening me and being with me and counseling me because when you don't have another 
adult in your home to turn to when there is something in your business or something with your children or something in your personal life that you would want to counsel with? Like, where else do you go? You know, and there's been times where I've felt as I've put the children to bed, almost like a loving husband would be looking forward to like sitting together on the sofa and counseling after the kids are in bed. I have felt before as I'm putting the kids to bed, that there's something that my heavenly father wants me to like talk to him in prayer, that there's something to counsel together about. And so for me, it's been this really beautiful opportunity to like strengthen that relationship. I would say that, you know, we, we've been taught that faith is like a little seed and it's a small little seed, but if planted, it will grow. And my faith now is a a larger tree than it was before. And honestly, because of that joy of seeing Heavenly Father's hand and being able to experience His love and all of that, it's made all of the pain and all of the frustration and everything actually really worth it and, and beautiful because I don't know how else I would have gotten to learn the things and have the experiences that I've had. That's wonderful. You are planning or hoping to get remarried one day. So I'm curious how you have prioritized what's important in um, a potential partner. How did you figure that out? What ways did you decide, like, this is what I'm looking for? You know, what's most important? So several years ago, a friend of mine shared a book with me called How to Not Fall in Love with a Jerk. And it's got this visual of like sliding scales. And one of the things that the that the author taught is that in a relationship, you've got if you can kind of imagine like a DJ that has sliding scales for like bass and treble and all those different sounds, and they can adjust them up or down. So you've got your how well do you know someone is that at a level 10? Or is it a zero? And then can you trust them? And then can you rely on them? Can you commit to them? And then at the end, you have physical touch. And what this author talked about is that like in the world and dating now, oftentimes like people will go all the way to the end on that right-hand side and, and physical touch. So that'll go up to a 10 when maybe the, you really only know someone at a level two or you trust them at a level one. And the whole premise of that book is that to not fall in love with a jerk those scales on the right should never exceed the left. So you should never trust someone any more than you know them right? <laughs> or commit to them any more than you can rely on them. And so for me, as I've been dating and thinking about, you know, what I want and what I'm looking for, the biggest thing for me is to keep that in mind of like, make sure I really know this person. Mm-hmm. And then do I trust them? Can I rely on them? And for me, in my personal experience, like, I believe that that takes time to be able to observe and to see like this person did not call me back when they said that they would. Okay, was there a good reason for that? Or is that going to be a pattern in their character? Because I can't rely on them. I cannot trust them. So that's been a practical thing. I would also say, how do I know what I'm looking for? I did a lot of journaling over that period of time where I wasn't dating, daydreaming about (laughs) the man of my dreams. And I felt this promise in my heart that it will be better than I could imagine. And I did, I took time and I journaled about 
his hype or his um, character, his character traits that he would be someone who loves learning and self-improvement and someone with charity and all, all of these different things, you know, I feel that God can oftentimes give us a vision mm-hmm. for our future. I know in my business, I had a vision for the business success I would have, and that came to be. And so I have these special little journal entries that I keep and I'll refer back to as I'm dating and kind of like, okay, like, does this, does this person exude these traits and these qualities? But the number one thing, and I remember I had written down that the Lord had prepared someone for me who also could hear God, who could, who enjoyed receiving personal revelation, who sought for it, who would commune with the Lord. So that's very important for me because whether a member of the church or not a member of the church, that foundation of faith in Jesus Christ and the ability to hear him, that's what's going to get all of us to where we need to be. And you can have someone who's in the church, but lacks that motivation or that interest of really being in that relationship. And they may not end up (laughs) where, you you know, in in a good destination versus you can have someone who doesn't have all the same beliefs that I do. But if they're hearing God, and if they're in a relationship with God, then I can, and I'm, and I'm, and I know that about them, then I can trust and I can rely that that person is going to end up getting to where their heavenly father wants them to go in life. Yes, that is so good. I love the sliding scale. I agree with that completely. One thing that I learned in my divorce journey and since helping many other people in this journey, and I say this all the time with my clients, is the biggest indication of future behavior is past behavior. You cannot meet a person and decide, oh, they could be exactly what I want when the way they have been living before they met you is totally different. You have to really take off those rose-colored glasses and look at the person realistically and just look at the last six months, the last 12 months, the last two years. If they repeat that in the next two years, are you going to be happy with that? You need to have really Mm -hmm. realistic expectations. I say that over and over, like past behavior is the biggest prediction of future behavior. So make Mm -hmm. your decisions based on that. And I think that's really wise. And you make a good point of, are you going to be happy with that? I think for me, part of the dating journey is figuring out what am I going to be happy with? Yes. You know? And I think that, that sometimes that only comes through experience and getting to know different people and spending time with different people. When I first became single, I had a priesthood blessing from my father that said the counsel from my Heavenly Father and that blessing was, Christina, dating is different <laughs> at this mm-hmm. age than it was when you were 19. <laughs> And the counsel that I got was to use this time to meet and talk with many different men and learn what motivates them. And so um, online dating was very helpful for that because I could just schedule, you know, FaceTime introductions and meet and talk to many different men and start to learn what motivated them. But I would say that that period of time is also really helpful for me to understand what are those things that make me happy? (laughs) Do I want, and this goes back to the youth program too. I would say there's these four components of compatibility. Are we, are we compatible physically? Like not just do we like to hold hands or share affection, but do you, does someone really want to be like out climbing rocks and someone else would rather be 
going for a walk, you know, like, yeah, and it doesn't, and it doesn't have to always be perfectly lined up. But to the extent that you can be compatible physically, socially, spiritually, and intellectually, and have some overlap where you both love and enjoy some of the same things, I think you're going to just naturally feel happier in that person's presence with their companionship. Yes, that is so wise. I'm glad you mentioned online dating because it comes up a lot. People are afraid of it. They're obviously concerned about, you know, can you really get to know someone through online dating? I'd love to hear what that experience has been like for you and maybe what some of the benefits are and the pitfalls of using apps and online dating and how do you recommend people navigate that successfully? Sure. I no longer have active online dating accounts. I don't use it at this time. But in the beginning, I when I first became single, it was something I was honestly really excited about because I thought, huh, like this, this actually seems like there's probably some science base to this. This could, this could be like an, a very efficient way of dating, you know, of just match compatibilities and be able to, to swipe and and I was really curious and interested. Um, in my experience, what I've found is it is a fantastic way to meet many people in a short period of time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead of waiting for destiny, you know, for, yes. to have someone cross your path, like you can really reach out and meet people. And I live in an area, I'm in South Carolina, I'm not out West. And the, the dating app that I was using was one that was mutual. So it was for Latter-day Saints. And so the majority of people that are on that app are not in South Carolina. So I would just have a FaceTime and we would have an introduction. And then it was pretty like low commitment because they couldn't come take me on a date. (laughs) Right. Friday. But my experience, it was really helpful to have conversations to learn what it was that was motivating people. And you could learn that pretty quickly through a few simple questions. My advice for online dating would be to be very deliberate about what is your intention. Be deliberate about scheduling time to be able to be face-to-face via in-person or through technology and ask very deliberate questions about, you know, tell me what's one of a funny memory you have as a child. Like that can be very telling. There was a gentleman that I talked to and his funny memory of a child was actually a memory of his mom who had a disease like falling and getting hurt. And for me, that didn't resonate with me. It wasn't <laughs> something that I thought was seemed like a very happy memory. And as I got to know that gentleman more and more, it was obvious that like we weren't very compatible in other areas. So I would just say approach online dating as an opportunity to learn and to ask questions that will help you to understand that person better. This has been so good. You have so much wisdom to share with through your dating experiences. And I really like that your focus has been on learning from your dating and this time while you're single. So do you have any final words of encouragement or advice that you would like to offer to someone who's embarking on their dating journey after divorce? Yes, absolutely. I've been thinking about the story of the woman at the well. So she had been married five times. She had had five husbands. And when Jesus 
asked her for a drink and he took it. He said, you know, if you knew of the water I had, you would be asking me for a drink because what I have to offer would be like a well springing inside you and you would never thirst again. And I've pondered on that of, you know, the fact that he's speaking to her and with the experiences that she had had with those relationships and how that may be applicable to me and, you know, likening all scriptures to me. And what that has meant to me is that if I come to my Savior, Jesus Christ, first, and I'm in a relationship with Him, and I am drinking of the living water that He offers through prayer and studying His Word through Scripture and all of those things that we that helped out develop that relationship. If I'm in that relationship with Him, then I'm going to have this cup, this spring inside me that's overflowing. Overflowing with what? What is it that's going to be springing inside me? And for me, what I found is it's the fruits of the Spirit. Then I have this abundance of hope. I have this abundance of love. I have this abundance of peace. I have this abundance of self-control and patience and all of those things that make us feel great. And so then I can go into any relationship with my children, with coworkers, or potential dating partners with a cup that's overflowing. Hey, do you want some peace? Do you want some love? Do you want some hope? And I can be offering that to others versus coming and showing up with this empty cup. Like, I, I feel worthless. I need you to love me so that I know that I'm worth or something, or I have no self-control. I need you to be the one who's going to have self-control in this situation. And so my, my final words in dating is to accept the invitation from Jesus Christ to come unto him and to partake of the living water that he offers us and allow him to make us whole. We are not single. We are, we are betrothed to him. He is our companion. He's our partner. The question in dating is, who is that third person that's going to be invited into this relationship? And I'm already whole through my relationship with Christ. And this third person, God has put a desire in us that is strong to have companionship and to have that marriage relationship. And that is good. And that is for a reason But he will help us to make sure that we are approaching it in a way where our cup is full and not empty. And where we can be a blessing to those that we date, we can be a blessing to those who we're in a relationship with because we've got that, um, those fruits of the spirit within us. Oh, so well said. That's beautiful. So the question that I end all of my podcast interviews with is sort of the mission of what I do and trying to help others find joy in their journey, whatever that journey is. So I would love to know, what does finding joy in the journey mean to you? Jesus, when he was on the cross, the scriptures say it was the joy set before him that he was able to endure the cross. It was the joy, like the joy of what? The joy of redeeming each of us and making it so that we could return to the Father's presence and we could all be together in a family, in a relationship. And so for me, joy in my journey is him set before me like that he can make our life so good so abundant we can have these afflictions and then like this christian song says our afflictions can be eclipsed by his glory 
And when something is going wrong, but then you see the Lord's hand like come in and eclipse it and turn what what looked wrong and not good to be something actually really beautiful, then there's joy. There's all there's joy. When you see the Lord's hand working in your life, then you can't help but to feel joy in your journey. That is just lovely. Thank you so much, Christina, for sharing some of the struggle and the triumph in your dating journey. And you've shared so much wisdom and so much of your testimony and your your faith. And it's just been wonderful. So I'm grateful to have you here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. If you're ready to dive deeper into this work and learn the tools and the skills you need to change the trajectory of your life forever, go to ldsdivorce.com and sign up for a free consultation with me. This is just the tip of the iceberg, my friends. There is so much more. I would love to work with you and be your life coach.